Welcome to The Effective Lawyer, a podcast for ambitious attorneys who want to improve their practice. My name is Jack Zinda, and I'll be your host. In today's episode, we are teaming up with our good friends at Simon Law Group on their Justice Team podcast. We talk about what it takes to run a nationwide practice, how to scale up a law firm, and some of the tips for practicing in multiple states. For context, this conversation took place pre-COVID at the American Association for Justice Convention in San Diego last year. Enjoy. We have Jack Zinda with us today. He is a, uh, a Texas-based lawyer, but as you'll find out, he's He's pretty much in every uh, every state in the union. He's so. everywhere. Jack's in the house. Don't mess and with Texas. Great to be here, guys. Thank you. Sorry you had to fly into this shitty weather and leave oh, yeah. uh, beautiful Texas for San Diego. But oh, this is awful. I'm much rather back <laughs> in 110 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Evan, we, we got Evan with us today. Evan Garcia. Yep, yep. Uh, fellow Texan, but out here. I saw the light. I'm out here in, uh, in California and, and uh, with the justice team. And Grayson Goody. Hey, good to be here. Wyoming, all, all from Wyoming. We were just actually <laughs> discussing how Wyoming is a much better state than Texas. You know, you don't mess with Texas, but well, Texas Wyoming is union, has so much it? more. Yeah, it, right? Is Texas a union? No. Te- is it? I, I mean... I believe it's, it's its own country. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Going to be seceding from the union. And I, I don't think I meant. introduced myself. I'm Brandon Simon. Thanks for tuning in. Um, so Jack, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Um, it's great to be here. You're based out of Texas. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, so, yeah, our firm is based out of Austin. We also have an office in Denver and one in Dallas as well. We do exclusively uh, personal injury cases just like you guys, primarily trucking, uh, catastrophic injury, and we handle cases not just in Texas and Colorado but throughout the U.S. Now, w- w- what's wow. the saying? What's the saying about Austin? Is it keep Austin weird? Keep Austin weird. What's so weird about Austin? Uh, it's not so You're weird. You've been to Austin? <laughs> <laughs> it, it used to be weird. Now it is like. Now it's like central. too cool to be weird, yeah, right? Way now too it's cool. very normal. It's very hipster. Austin hipster. Ugh, hipster. So we have a common cool. link here. Like Evan said, Evan's a Texas boy. Houston. <laughs> Born H down, yep, yep. A big uh, A&M fan, right? Gig him. Negative, negative. That's, that's <laughs> more, uh, my dad would, would, you know, disown me. <laughs> Jack, you were, are you born and bred Texas? Are yeah, you... I was born in a small town uh, called Longview in East Texas. It's about two hours east of Dallas. You would really have no reason to go there if you were uh, going to Texas. Well, how's the high school football team in Longview? Uh, actually, we're pretty, damn, pretty good. Uh, number three in the country. Uh, what? A few given points, yeah. There you go. There's a good reason to go. Yeah. 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 So uh, your, uh, your main office is in Austin. Uh, how, many, how many offices do you have? Right now we have three main offices, one in Austin, one in Denver, and one in Dallas. And we have satellite offices uh, throughout Texas, Colorado, Arizona, and New Mexico. We've got uh, 26 attorneys in the firm. One of them, Neil Solomon's over there. I think yeah, there he is. Hey, the Neil. Hey guys, how's it going? You're kind of hidden from view there. Yeah, that's it. I, I can't see it, Neil, but in the I can corner. hear you. I can hear you, buddy. So, Neil, you're, you're with Jack as well? That's correct. Yeah, I'm in the Austin office with Jack. Okay, right on. So, one of the 28. That's it. Okay. Can, can I ask a question real quick, Jack? No. <laughs> Why are you having your offices all over the country? I mean, you're in how many different states now? Well, right now we are in uh, Austin, or Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and Colorado. Wow. And a lot of it is by necessity. So Texas is one of the most anti-consumer, anti-plaintive states in the country. This is an outdated statistic, but at one point, the Texas Supreme Court was ruling against consumers 89% of the time. Wow. 
And I came into my practice in 2006, just when uh, the biggest tort reform had just been passed in legislature. So over time, by out of necessity and just um, good fortune, we've had cases outside of Texas. And we decided to make a move to look for uh, business where it's a little easier to practice law. Right. And I got a, a quick question on that, though. When you're looking elsewhere and you're looking for, I guess you could say, just different jurisdictions, I mean, uh, in your experience, what does your team look at? I mean, what are the pros and cons? I mean, obviously, I'd imagine jury pools, but I mean, do you look at caps? I mean, what else is, is at play there? Good question. I mean, I think the first thing you have to look at is why are you looking at taking a case outside of your home state? And for us, it's can we add value in some sort of specialization, whether it's a construction case or a trucking case? Do we think we can add value or is it better to be with a local attorney there? Secondarily, a lot of times it is advantageous to look at what are the different laws in that jurisdiction. So if you have a, a case where someone's hurt in Texas, but the defendant's based out of Florida and the driver is based out of Minnesota, if you kind of expand your mind and look at all those different options, it allows you to figure out what's best for the client. Right. Um, awesome. And so you're, uh, you have attorneys barred in each of those states or how does that, how does that work? We, I'm licensed in Texas, Arizona, New okay. Mexico, and Colorado. Burgess Williams, who's off to the side over there, is uh, licensed in about 15 states. Wow. Um, wow. One, one of the things is once you get past the five-year mark, it's not that difficult to get licensed in other jurisdictions. You know, as long as you stay on the good side of the bar. That yeah, sounds it, easy, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, I mean, in California, you, there's no, they call it reciprocity. There's You can only practice in California. You get You don't get... You don't get reciprocity in any other states, which seems strange, but I guess they want to keep your property taxes here, right? Or your, not your property taxes, but income. your income taxes. Income yeah. taxes, right, yeah. Right. But I feel like, I mean, in Wyoming, it's the same thing. It, you can be in any state, as long as you're practicing for five years and you're in good standing, you can wave right into Wyoming. So I, I take it that's probably the same with uh, the states that you guys have been into. Yeah, that's exactly right. And also, we've been uh, intentional about asking our new attorneys to get licensed in other jurisdictions. Smart. You know, and so I think now we have Minnesota, Illinois, New York, New Jersey, D.C., Florida, and so it gives us more options. So say you got Burgess over there and you have a case that, um, you know, the driver's in Minnesota, you file that case in Minnesota because you think that's advantageous to file there. Do you just send Burgess out there to litigate it or are you getting local counsel or how does that work? Well, I think first you gotta make sure you know what you're doing. I think that is key. Um, you gotta know the, uh, what the rules of civil procedure are, the rules of evidence in that jurisdiction. And then you gotta think, does it make sense from the client's point of view to file that case there? And does it make sense um, from the case point of view and from the firm point of view, you can't take a small case, you know, several thousand miles away. It right. just doesn't justify it. So uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about your your practice. You are the namesake of your firm, right? Z Zinda Law Firm? Is that uh, what Zinda Law Group. Zinda yeah. Law Group. Okay. And I'm Simon Law Group. I'm part of the Simon Brothers. And I, I know how much time is taken up by running the practice and the business side of a law firm, how much of your day is spent actually being a lawyer and how much of your day is being a manager, an owner of the firm, you know, administrative stuff? You know, I consider it a victory if I'm able to spend 25% of my time practicing law. Yeah. That's, and I feel like that is very difficult at times. You know, we have nearly 80 employees. 80. And so there's always some fire going on somewhere. And over time, I've had to really narrow the scope of the cases that I handled. Uh, two years ago, I was 
working on probably 15 cases at a time. Now it's down to three. Yeah. Uh, and that's just out of necessity. You know, there's always something popping up. But I think it's also about being intentional and making sure you're carving out the time to actually practice law or you find yourself, you know, doing interviews and reviewing spreadsheets all day. Yeah. So that's um, a great point. Simon Logger, we have offices up and down the coast. But we're all in California. We're all relatively close to one another. You have offices thousands of miles away. How when a fire goes up, you know, you have to put out a fire. How difficult is that when you're managing cases that are literally another state away? You know, what's great with technology now, we can get around a lot of those issues. Um, so we use uh, attorneys in other jurisdictions or locations that can have individual client meetings. And we'll talk to the client via Skype um, and have someone on the ground to help the client there. We do do a lot of travel. I mean, we probably have more Southwest points than just about anybody. <laughs> and drink tickets. Uh, you're flying about through the Arizona a lot, probably Phoenix a lot. Yeah. But in a weird way, you know, before when we were handling cases just in Texas, going to Midland is a lot harder than getting to Denver, you know. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of things that if you practice in a big state like California, you're used to driving, you're speeding on the road. And if there's a direct flight, it makes it a lot easier. Right. But we've had to really adopt technology to make that a lot easier, I'm sure, as you guys yeah. have. Yeah. Um, doing things like DocuSign right. and video conferencing and those sort of things. Yeah, video conferencing is big. I mean, I imagine if you're you're handling cases in other states, you're going to have to do a lot of video depositions. I mean, we only handle cases in California, but we have, you know, as we've gotten bigger, Grayson, you're, you're doing depots in Pennsylvania or something. And the beauty is you yep. don't have to go to Pennsylvania to go take a deposition. But I would prefer going to Pennsylvania to take the deposition. No. I, you know, I'd never been to Philly. I went to Philly a couple months ago. <laughs> you don't ago want to go to Philly. That. You can go to well, Pittsburgh. You don't want to go to Philly. Well, Pittsburgh, come on. <laughs> no, you, you know, we had a, we had a depot in uh, Switzerland. We had a, we had a, I'm, like, I'm looking at Bob. He didn't even catch it. Good. Um, we had a depot in Switzerland, and, and Bob had the opportunity to take it via Skype, and he was like, ah, I think I'm going to go to yeah, Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. So there's places you want to go. And I don't places even think that was his case. He go. just, it, it, was, it was, I'm my a partner. Case. I'm, yeah, it, it was I'm my case. rank. I want to yeah. go to Switzerland. <laughs> Zinda Law Group is a plaintiff's personal injury law firm made up of over 30 lawyers that handle catastrophic personal injury and wrongful death cases throughout the United States. We regularly co-counsel and joint venture with firms across the country. Over the last several years, we have paid millions of dollars in joint venture co-counsel fees to the law firms we work with. If you are a law firm or attorney and have a catastrophic personal injury or wrongful death case you would like to joint venture or work with Zinda Law Group on, please reach out to us at 800-863-5312 or email us at info at zdfirm.com and we can set up a time to discuss your case. So Jack, let's get to know you a little bit more on a, more on a personal level. Born and raised Texas boy, you, Baylor undergrad? Went to Baylor, uh, Southwestern for undergrad. Okay. It's a tiny school of about 1,200 students. We actually didn't even and have a football And you were an athlete, team. right? Supposedly. I, I think it, <laughs> it, it was Division Three, so it barely yeah. qualifies as being an Better athlete. Better than Division Zero. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. Division Zero basketball. Yeah. So uh, baseball, like this guy baseball also player? Yeah. Basketball, basketball player. Basketball. Okay. What's Division no. Zero? Is that it, like intramurals where we yeah, lose San Diego every game? City League. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. We were on yeah. the same team. Yeah. We were on the same team. But <laughs> when I was in uh, law school, I was known as the good basketball player, which is not what you want to be known for in law school. You want to be known as the guy on Law Review. <laughs> Grayson was, good, the good, Grayson was the good both, basketball player. I was on Law Review, too. So you got a leg up on me. <laughs> what position do you play? Uh, two guard. Okay, two guard, cool. So, and I've got a I wife. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, two kids, eight and six years so old. So how, I mean, how, how stressful, I mean, I know I get yelled at by my wife a lot, always on the phone, working. I mean, how, how do you manage managing a firm and then also time with 
with family? You know, I think with everything in life that's important, you've got to be intentional. I think that is one of the big takeaways that I've learned the hard way over the years. And I used to work, you know, seven days a week, every waking minute. But now with kids, uh, I've found ways to manage my time by saying, for example, you know, Saturday is off limits for work um, unless just absolutely necessary. And then I usually pick things back up, you know, Sunday evening. But if you don't do that, if you don't carve out that time, it, the law and your business will consume everything. You know, right. I've also found that I'm a better lawyer if I take a break, you know, going for a run, play with my kids, my mind gets refreshed. Yeah. And I tell that to the new, the younger associates, too. I think there's a diminishing return on working, you know, so many hours if you're working. And by the way, I've, I know very few people that actually work 80 hours. You know, you hear that a lot. I worked 80 hours this week. I, how much of that was actually productive? How much right. of that did you actually get stuff done yeah, like versus that. you just sat at your desk stressed out about all the work you had to do? Yeah, balance is so important. Balance is so important. You know, I've, I've found and I've forced myself to do this is after every trial, I'll try to get out and take like three or four days where I'm just like, you know, take care of the things that need to be taken care of. Laundry, hanging out with my wife, the cat. going to the beach. Don't forget about the kitties, you know, <laughs> going shooting hoops or something like that. You know, having that balance is so important as an attorney. And it's good that you're telling your, you know, your younger attorneys that. Yeah. And Jack, I think to, to follow up on that, I think you've said it a few times and, and I think it really resonates is this idea of being, in, you know, intentional. So either intentionally hang out with your kids, you know, separate, you know, work from from, you know, real life or, you know, family time. Uh, and then, you know, likewise, if you're at your desk, I mean, are you really being productive? Are you really being, you know, uh, good with your, and smart with your time? Or is Evan coming into your office and playing your yeah, arcade exactly. machine? <laughs> we, you know, we call that arcade Who's machine. Who's got an arcade machine in their office? We call it the malpractice machine. Yeah, the malpractice <laughs> machine. But is it something that, I mean, do you share with Neil, you know, some of this insight? As far as, you know, being intentional, I mean, is this something that, is that like part of your, your firm values? Or I mean, I like think that? one thing we try to do is take things that work throughout the firm and create processes and systems that we can give to the other attorneys. You know, I'm sure you guys have seen this. You know, one of the most expensive, important decisions you make in a case is hiring an expert witness, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do you train a three to five year attorney to make a good decision that could be a $50,000 investment? So we've done things to create processes to make that possible. And I think with everything, it's about creating systems and being intentional <clears throat> in that standpoint. We actually, I just got handed a viewer question live. I think we got a live wow. viewer question. <laughs> I'm looking at Burgess so, over there. Uh, <laughs> it's from Dina Joseph. So uh, shout out to Dina. Her email is, uh, well, she's at Sun Ocean Skies. So Dina Joseph at Sun Ocean Skies. Interested in specializing in catastrophic personal injury, TBIs. So any specialized courses, seminars, organizations, anything uh, that they could consider doing while they were in law school to kind of shift their way towards that area of the law? I mean, I think one, getting involved in organizations like AAJ early is helpful, but also if you want to be involved in, for example, traumatic brain injury, learn the medicine. Mm -hmm. I think that is one of the most undervalued areas of being a personal injury lawyer is figure out what's the latest on how brain injury cases work. If that's an area of focus that you want to go into, then do clerkships, get to know PI lawyers, make sure that's what you actually want to do. I think when you come out of law school, you need to have a plan. Where do you want to see your practice, you know, at least two, three years and not just let it, you know, come hit you. But I'd say local trial lawyers associations are great. AJ is great. And then if traumatic brain injury is where you want to be, learn the latest, you know, information on diffuse tensor imaging, um, the latest studies on concussions, how those things work, uh, if that's really where you want to have your focus. 
Uh, and before we get you, you get out of here, we, I want to ask you. I mean, you, you're you're expanding constantly. Is there an, another area of the map you're looking to conquer? What we've really focused on recently is focusing on types of cases opposed to geography. So. Uh, when we say nationwide practice, it's not specifically saying, okay, we're going to take 100 cases in New York or 100 cases in California. It's more of, for this particular type of case, trucking, for example, where's the best jurisdiction? Where does that make sense? And looking at the, the U.S. as the map opposed to just whatever state you're in. Right. Interesting. Smart. Just curious, is there a particular area of the country that is more prone to, you know, say paraplegic cases or, uh, you know, anything that's worth eight figures? Just, just curious. Just, yeah, yeah. Not, that, no, not that we're looking you know, to get just in, came into, into my area, area of the country, but uh, I, unfortunately, I don't know of one. Where do the most uh, airplane crashes <laughs> take place? <laughs> right. uh, cool. Uh, you guys have any any other fun? You guys well, are Texas I, boys. Yeah, I mean, well, I got a question though, and and I think this is, uh, you know, Jack and I we. we spoke about this you know briefly before we got on here it's news to me but apparently in colorado uh, there's there's a cap on the non-economic damages i mean what is is there pending legislation are people trying to do something about that I mean, is what's that going for all, that? is that for all personal injury cases yeah it's, uh, it's for all personal injury cases the cap is 437 right now i believe it's um, a it's, very specific number it's uh anything above 437 it's a progressive <laughs> state too it, it increases for inflation and you got to keep in mind okay. someone was high when they got to that number right yeah. in colorado <laughs> yeah. should we do 420 no <laughs> let's do we got to count for inflation man <laughs> the, the good thing about colorado is there's no cap on uh, physical impairment. So there's a okay. way you can get, so pain and suffering is capped, physical impairment is not, okay. and there's no cap on economic damages. But there's also, you know, Texas, for example, we've got the collateral source issue of paid versus incurred, where you can only get whatever was paid. So yeah, for example, so California, if yeah. you've got a person who was on Medicaid, their case is worth a lot less, unfortunately, than someone who didn't have health insurance. Right. In, in Texas, is there, uh, so in California, we have a law now that says if somebody treats on a lien, uh, and and say they for they just forewent their insurance and treated on a lien. The reasonable value is is not based on insurance. So you're not allowed to talk about insurance. Is that can you do that in, in Texas? Can you still talk about collateral sources even though they treated on a lien basis? Or is that no? You can't talk about collateral source although they're trying to chip away at that. Yeah. One thing mm -hmm. we were talking about beforehand is, you know, with the Supreme Court that is very pro insurance. Our goal is to keep those cases out of the appellate courts because yeah, that's probably where they would go next. It's typically not the legislature anymore. It's more of Good the point. courts that yeah. are turning wow. those things over. Very cool. conservative courts. Are, are we on like a time crunch here? Or do we have to stop sometime soon? I don't know. I'm well, not the producer. Well, I don't even see the producer, so let's just keep talking. <laughs> okay. yeah, Jack, can I can I ask you a question? Yeah, so when so. you came out of law school, did you know that you were going to do this type of work? Is this what you wanted to do? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I thought it's really cool how you guys have a family practice. Uh, my dad told me that's what I was going to do, but I didn't believe him. Uh, was your dad an attorney? No, he was actually a restaurant owner. And that was some of the best training to be a trial lawyer. So, you know, at age... 12, 13, I'm a dishwasher at my dad's bar working with, you know, minimum wage workers. Um, some had felony records, you know, and then waiting tables. And we had the only bar in town. And uh -huh. so learning how to deal with people, that was that was great training. But out of law school, I worked at a firm uh, that did family law and personal injury. And they, uh, it was kind of a crazy situation. They hired me to start the PI section out of law school which in retrospect <laughs> is a little nuts. <laughs> a little. We trust you more than we trust ourselves. Yeah. Go just run with it. Yeah. That's great. Well, you yeah, time to I figure guess. it out. Go ahead. <laughs> it worked. It, wor it worked. Right. And 
I'm very lucky the person that I worked for gave me a lot of autonomy, let me learn how to run the firm, uh, and gave me a lot of freedom to run the marketing of the firm, the business processes. And so after doing that for a couple of years, it just made sense to branch out on my own. It's probably an unintentional training for you to start yeah. your own firm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And one thing I'd say, if you're considering starting a PI practice now, I would advise you to consider teaming up with someone who's got good cash flow and hourly practice. You know, in the beginning of our practice, we had an hourly section that we phased out about three or four years ago. And that really allowed us to take some more risks on bigger PI cases earlier because you had that cash flow coming in opposed to having a high interest loan or, um, yeah. or something like that. And speaking of risks, you know, um, what really made you decide to branch out from that firm? You know, I think some of our younger viewers would like to, and listeners would like to hear this, you know, they're working in, in bigger firms or, or working with other people. You know, what made you want to take that jump and go out and start your own firm? You know, the biggest thing to me was having autonomy to on the types of cases I wanted to work on, how I wanted my practice to go, what I wanted my balance to be work-life, and what I thought the vision, um, where I wanted to take the organization. And those kind of conflicted to where I was at. But I was very lucky because the position at that firm, I was put in charge of a lot of those business decisions already, so it didn't seem like that much of a risk. And I grew up around my dad who had a restaurant, which is you know, four out of five restaurants go out of business yeah. in the first six yeah. months. Crazy. And you don't make money until, yeah, know, it takes if you're lucky, several years, right? Yeah, and so I kind of had that risk built yeah. into my DNA. You bet on so, yourself, too. Yeah, and, and it didn't <clears throat> seem risky. Yeah. Well, I'm getting a note from uh, Teresa that we're, we're going to have to wrap it up. Before we go, I want to ask, who's your favorite Texas athlete of all time? Emmett Smith, hands down. Ooh, nice. I love it. I got nice. an Emmett Smith rookie card, actually. What? If I do. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the value's gone down over the no, years. No, yeah, no. it's tough late. Thank you for listening. And a big thanks to our friends over at the Simon Law Group. Please check out their podcast, The Justice Team. We hope you enjoyed the show and found some of our tips and tactics for running a nationwide practice helpful and will hopefully help you grow your practice. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Effective Lawyer. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to rate it five stars and leave us a review. To get notified about new episodes that are upcoming or have been released, go to zdfirm.com slash podcast to sign up for our mailing list.